0: Today's guest is Su-Ann Hong. She's the president and CEO of the Center for Asian Pacific American Women. Prior to joining the organization in 2018, Su-Ann's career spanned over 28 years at state farm insurance companies in areas of data processing, data inclusion, corporate business and technology portfolio management, and PNC auto claims. She has led teams of up to 600 employees in multiple locations, Managed a thousand contract employees and supported customers and state farm agents in 23 states. Uh, welcome to the show, Suanne.
1: Thank you so much, Marisa, for the invitation. I really appreciate it.
0: I'm, I'm so excited to hear about the organization. Um, and you know, basically, why don't you talk a little bit about your career and, and how it led you to the Center for Asian Pacific American Women. Um, you know, what drove you to, to, to accept that position and follow that organization?
1: Um, that's a great question. And of course, you know, the path is always uh, never a straight line, right, from point A to B. But first of all, you know, I'm an immigrant from South Korea. I came to the U.S. when I was eight years old. So I was adopted by my aunt, who was getting her master's and Ph.D. at the University of Ma- Wisconsin-Madison. And she was hired as a professor in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, if you can imagine. So going from South Korea, Seoul, South Korea, to all the way to the Upper Peninsula, it really shaped me early on about acculturation, trying to fit in, um, trying to make sure that I understand the environment, how to navigate. All those things really made an impression on me early on. And what I found is that through school, And through even my corporate career, those very, very similar feelings when I was little kind of followed me around all my career. You know, I was one of several Asian American women in the space of auto claims, which is very male dominated space. And so, you know, understanding how to navigate through that was huge. And also the political environment, as you know, you worked in corporate, Marisa, you know, you have to understand the political landscape, right? Yes. And so those are the, those are some key things that I learned is that you have to really pay attention. What I found is that, you know, I was a uh, department head, you know, I had all kinds of career within State Farm, but I was a department head for nine and a half years. And back in 2017 and 18, there was a huge restructure going on within the organization. Like any other large corporation, you take your largest departments, right, IT and auto claims and the whole claims organization, they went through a significant reorganization. The only thing, though, was when I got my job offer from the organization, it was one level below what I was doing for nine and a half years. And so I really that felt like a gut punch for me, because I had moved with the organization, I was loyal, I did all these things, led you know enterprise initiatives, so it really hurt me when I got that type of an offer, and it wasn't like I had to move or I had you know a, a like a salary reduction or whatnot, but the stress of trying to get through that process publicly was very difficult, and I think that Ultimately, I had to answer the question for myself, okay, if you stay, no regrets, and you can't be resentful, you have to be 100% in, can you do that? And my answer was no. And so when they gave me an opportunity to say, you can either stay and do this job or take a package, I took the package and I said, I think I'm going to try something else. And I don't know what that something else was until I made the decision two days later, I got a call from... One of the State Farm retirees who happened to sit on two different boards, one of them being the Center for Asian Pacific American Women. And also, I've had a tie to this organization because I was a graduate from class of 2001 and 2002. And so she said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I have no idea. And she goes, well, why don't you come over here, step in as an interim ED and figure it out because we just lost our ED and we need the leadership. So that's how the journey began in May of 2018. And the, the irony is, had I gotten the same job offer at the same level, I know myself, I would have stayed safe, and I would have stayed. This forced me to do something different. And it got me on a path that I am living my passion right now. So It's a big lesson that I learned is sometimes you got to have a kick in the pants in order to be able to do something that's aligned with your passion even more so than previously.
0: That is that is so great. Uh, You know, when when you that happens so often, like it's happened to me a few times where, you know, you're you're you think you're doing your best and somebody sees it differently. And then you, you know, you get offered a promotion or you're being asked to leave. And it's, and it's almost like a huge explosion in your life. Like, oh my goodness. Right. And it's, it almost like it attacks your values, your, you know, like your value of who you are. Um, But you, you know, you evaluated that and then decided, well, you know, I'm not going to stay because I know I can do more. Right. So how, what do you think uh, what do you, where do you think that comes from to say, this is not what I want. I want to continue. And even though it's scary, right, um, I can do this. So, so what is it? What is that I can do this? Where does that part come from?
1: Well, first of all, <laughs> I was scared. I was really scared to do something different because this organization was the only thing I knew. And I had four or five different careers within it. And, you know, one of the things that uh, as an Asian parent, you know, um, my mom always used to focus on things like job security, benefits, upward mobility, and like all these things that are valued, you know, um, in our family, education is highly valued. So when I said I was going to actually go to a nonprofit, she had no idea what that was. And not only that, she was like, what are you talking about? Isn't that a huge pay cut? What is, what are you doing? You should stay. So I got a lot of that kind of pushback, but when I went through the program for the Asian Pacific American women's leadership Institute back in 2001 and 2002, it was all about being a whole person leader, meaning it's not just about career. You have to look at the holistic of the person and say, what works for you in totality that includes, you know, mental, physical health, that includes things like your identity and your relationships with others within yourself and community. What are you doing to give back? And, you know, frankly, 95% of what I was doing in my life was work. And I wasn't doing a good job, frankly, of taking care of my health mentally, physically. I ended up right at the tail end. I ended up getting diabetes and the stress of the work and the work was stressful, you know, because of the, the scale of what we were driving and it was never enough, you know, I could give and give and give. And it was, I realized it was just never enough. So I had to make that decision and take control over changing my whole lifestyle. It wasn't just about the career. It was a lifestyle change that I had to make, but I had to take charge And I think that's the mistake that I made was that I didn't take charge fast enough. I allowed other people to make decisions on my behalf or push me towards a decision that, you know, I should have taken charge of. And so I have to be my own CEO first. (laughs) I like the
0: way you put that.
1: Yeah. So I think that I realized a very difficult lesson because I, you know, mentally, physically, it took a toll. That job took a toll on me because I, I didn't manage it well, number one. And then number two is that I think I was burned out. So I needed something different. So coming into this space was really refreshing. But at the same time, I scared myself because I didn't know anything about a nonprofit or running almost like an entrepreneurship, basically. Right. And so I had to do everything. It's like, who's my IT person? Oh, yeah, that would be me. I am the IT person. And so you learn how to survive. And, you know, that was probably the biggest thing is I just had to, you know, put faith in myself that I could do it based on all the skill sets that I've built over the years.
0: And, and how do you, um, how do you make, so for me, like work, work can easily become an addiction. So I have to put all these rules and boundaries in place for me to make sure that I don't overdo it. And I make, you know, myself, a priority first. What have you done to change your approach towards work so that you're not taking what happened in the past that led you to burnout um, today in your new role?
1: Okay, Um, I gotta be honest, I don't think I have it completely figured out yet. But what is different is because I have the flexibility in terms of hours, in terms of when I work, how I work. If I need a break, You know, I may have to just schedule a break in the middle of the day. Or if I need to do something, you know, I have to go for a walk. I'll take my dog for a walk and take a break. Where before I was very tied to service levels. I was tied to, you know, because we had very strict hours for service and for customers. And for, you know, you have to be in a, you're in a centralized operation. So you can't just leave. You have to plan everything. It's a very planning culture. So this is very organic in comparison to that. And, you know, it, it's me. I have a part-time assistant and a bunch of volunteers and people that I hire in contract to do, you know, teaching of the Unleash the Shiro, you know, a new program, which is our women of color program or the Apolly program. So there's more flexibility that I can drive the work. That could be good or bad, but I have, <laughs> I can control that. I think that's the difference. Where I feel like the customer hours really dictated how I worked in the past. That's great.
0: And so, so for your, um, are they customers like the the people who the Center for Asian Pacific American uh, Women serve? Right. What are some of the services that you provide? And what have based on you know your journey, right, and how you got there as an Asian American. What did you what What do you bring to that to, to the services that you offer uh, to your clients?
1: I think you know when I think about what we offered, we've always offered you know since the inception of the whole uh, organization back in 1995. It was all about bringing together Asian American women and and making sure because they weren't invited to leadership tables because there were you know, uh, addressing systemic racism and issues that, you know, the per- their perception is that they're not leaders. They're hardworking. You keep your head down and you don't get it, you know, into a leadership role doing it that way. So the whole point was, what do we need to do to drive up our self-confidence, be rooted in our heritage so that you're not totally acculturating to the the majority culture when you're in an organization that, Maybe you're the minority. And by the way, we don't want you to be by yourself when you're going through these things. You, we want you to have a community and to be able to call these, we call them warrior sisters. And the, and the fact that you have somebody who understands what you're going through without having to explain a bunch of things. So from that aspect of it, we've had over 170 graduates since 1996, which was the first class and then the March of 2020, when the Atlanta spa shootings occurred, that was really, you know, a pivotal moment for us because I was literally marching at the Capitol with our community uh, right after that, that whole horrific shooting that following weekend. And I got a call from the Walmart Center for Racial Equity and they're like, hey, we know that you're obviously focusing on and HPI women for leadership development. But what are your thoughts about women of color and building some type of a solidarity, building some type of a way where you can connect them together to make improvement in representation, racism, and all these other things that we face in community? So I said, absolutely. So the Unleash the Shiro and You program was born where I focus on women of color who've been in the workforce professionally for five years or less plus or minus. But predominantly, you know, when you look at the research of McKinsey and Lenin.org, it's about, they call it the broken rung, which is that beginning of of career. That's when all the disparities start because the women don't negotiate their salaries. They wait until they get into first line leadership. They wait a little longer And they don't feel like they can do it or they can't see themselves. Nobody's talked to them. They don't have mentors, connections, all those issues. So I wanted to bring everything earlier. I wanted to bring the tools. I wanted to bring wisdom. I wanted to bring all of that information earlier in the career so they have a fighting chance to choose where they want to go, how they want to represent themselves and give them that drive up that self-confidence. So, that's, so you're, giving,
0: you're giving them that roadmap, right, that, that right. many of us never had early okay. on to be able to say, here's your value, here's how you can ask for, you know, this salary, here's how you can be on the path towards leadership. Um, and, and you can do it with confidence because you have a path forward and you have a group of women supporting you in the process.
1: Absolutely. When hundred percent of the women come to you and say, you know, when you're doing the one-on-ones at the beginning of are all hundred percent of the women say, you know what, I need to work on my self-confidence. That tells you something. And right. these women are already in the workforce. So you, we've got to figure out how do we get, you know, how do we help them faster, sooner? So the Unleash the Shiro in You program, the Asian Pacific American Leadership Institute are the two cornerstone fellowship programs we have. Then we have the Women of Color Conference during the March, Women's History Month every year. And that one I created for Walmart because of the fact that that was an important kind of like a a way to bring community together. So, you know, I've got other sponsors like State Farm who's a huge, huge supporter of the Apolly program. You know, I've got all these sponsors who have said, am I not only, are we not only interested in like representation and education, we're interested in advancement of women. And so I think that those are the key things. I also have a specific, always you know, focus on H P I women, Asian American, Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander women who we bring together for regional conferences. And this year it'll be in Portland in August 24th. And we do that too because at the core we're H P I women's organization That expanded into women of color. So I always have a specific programming for, for that population as well. And then we have the compassion circle, which is a more of an organic uh, mentoring peer to peer mentoring program for, uh, for women who are maybe not interested or can't do a whole year program time commitment wise, but they want to meet once a month to have a community. And so those are some examples of what we do. And then we're getting ready to create a new mentoring program. And that's thanks to our Estee Lauder uh, Foundation. So we are very excited about what we can do to continue to deepen these relationships and continue to deepen the support for women of color.
0: That's great. Well, I absolutely love everything that you're doing. I think it's very much needed uh, in this world. Um, so I really do appreciate that. Um, any parting words for the audience um, for, you know, b- becoming a leader, right? What, any parting words for the audience?
1: Well, I would say three things. Number one is you are enough. Because I feel like half my career I was trying to prove to myself that I was. And the whole imposter syndrome is real for some of us, not for everybody, but for some. Number two is that you don't have to do this by yourself. There are resources out there like kapa.org or other resources out there who can help support you and what you're trying to do. And so asking for help is not a weakness. And then number three, I would say is you do have a choice. And sometimes I feel like um, we think that we have to just stay in the circumstances that we have and we don't have a choice, but we do. And so really taking a hard look at where you do have choices and making conscious choices. So I would say those three things. So please reach out to me, you know, uh, info at kappa.org. Kappa.org is our, also our website and I'm on LinkedIn. It's Sue Ann Hong. So please reach out if you need any support or if you're curious about what we do.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. That's great advice because I can attest that I have all of those three points. I have been there and so many of us have. So uh, thank you so much for everything that you do and for being on the show, Sue Ann. Thank
1: you so much, Marisa. And please keep uplifting all kinds of leaders. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Same, same to you. Thank you.